So I'm a pretty confident person, I would say. I have my moments where, like, I don't want to do things I'm bad at like anybody else, sometimes to a crippling degree, and I know that's a character flaw. Um, but one of those things is I'm just terrified. I shouldn't say terrified, but I really hate doing karaoke. I really hate it because somewhere in my dumb brain, I think I can sing, like, just a little bit, you know? Like, I think I can sing enough. Where if I go up and do karaoke, I'll get exposed and I'll know the real truth that I can't really sing. And so I can't remember that dude's name who was the first up, who sings a country song I'm very aware of from like a couple summers ago, Single You Up. I can't remember his name. But when he went up there and he bombed yesterday, I felt awful for him. Ben Ennis, uh, host of Fan Drive. What's up, buddy? It's like, I, did you relate to that guy? Did you empathize at all with him or did you just laugh? No, I just laugh. That's yeah. what I do is is I just laugh. Um yeah, it that that you think that you there's like a a, a part of you yeah. that man just given the right opportunity, the right song. No, I'm not, and the I'm right one of those people, people in attendance. Yeah, no, no. Like no, you I, could be disguised, you could be discovered, you could be No, 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 no. I don't think I could be discovered, okay? I don't think it's that level of I'm good at it. But I think I'm the level of I want to I want to be the level of if I have to sing, people go Oh wow! Like you're really like you're pretty good. <laughs> like I want that level. I'm one of those people that. Do you remember when you would watch American Idol back in the day, and they would have the? I think now that a lot of these people were fake, that they would end up kind of juicing the stats a little bit with the, yeah. the people who would go in and be like, "My voice coach says I think I think I could get tricked by a voice coach. I think that a voice oh, yeah. coach, 100%. a voice coach, can work with me and go." You're pretty good. Like, if Dude, you give me thousands of like, dollars, I think yeah. I could get you to the level that you're trying to achieve. And then I would show up on a karaoke night, all emboldened by my thousands of dollars of lessons, only to have the crowd just be not really into it and me voice crack and then just never be able to do it again. Dude, I, while you were saying that, I was thinking of the greatest scam ever would to be to pretend you're a voice scout a voice coach and go to a karaoke night and then talk to the guy who thinks he's good and be like oh my god yeah, that man. actually is a good scam and i can yeah. think i can everybody knows that every karaoke night there's always that one person that actually does believe that they're right canada's next top top superstar yeah, it's like this is just this is fun time for you guys. This is where I, I get to display my actual talent. Yeah. No, I'm like that with dancing. So I do this thing called lame dancing, where like it looks like I'm intentionally trying to be lame, but yeah. like in the back of my head, I'm like, this is actually pretty. Yeah, awesome. I look pretty People cool. Really paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yours is worse than mine. Nah, it's better. No, I... Because I, I have okay. plausible deniability. It's like I was trying to be bad. No, you have plausible deniability, but here's the thing. I think I'm a better singer than you are, Dancer. Oh, there's no way. Yeah, there's I just, think, There's see, absolutely like, no Did way. you see how quickly you got defensive about it? You really do yeah. care. Like, you really yeah, I do know. care. I told you that. Man, no, it, was, it was so funny, though, because I tweeted about that guy who couldn't sing. And this is a weird... Uh, this is like a modern-day thing, right? And I guess it's happened since, what, Millie Vanilli is the, fir the famous mm -hmm. auto-tune band? Where when they actually sang live, they got exposed, and then it turned out that they were just completely fraudulent. But Ashley Simpson, I think, is the more modern reference. Ashley Simpson? Stuff. Yes. Well, I'm, buddy, I'm just saying, there's, there's countless of these where they can't, yeah. they actually have no talent, 
And when they have to sing live at a big venue like this, you see exactly what it is, which is this guy can kind of do a little bit of the country thing. Like, he can kind of <laughs> trick you a little bit with some of the, the, like, you know, like those notes, the fake notes. And then he has to actually sing, and he's rotten, and, like, he can't do it. Like, he cannot yeah. sing. And you see his country fans coming to the woodworks going, it was just a mixing. I'm like, why was it? fine for the other guys who could sing. <laughs> you know, like, why was, why was the mixing okay for the other lads that went up there and knew how to do it? I just feel so bad for them. And I, I got, you got to think, do those people, do they really think they can do it? They must. Or, yeah. or do they just have yes people who are in their corner and go, no, man, you look the part and you can kind of do it enough where if we get a people who write for you, we can figure this thing out. I know I'm starting with the Great Cup halftime show, but I'm still, I, I was fascinated by that guy. Like, the confidence to go up in front of thousands of people yeah. and sing live when you cannot sing live is incredible. No, so, well, two things. One is that, yes, apparently it is very difficult to sing in those massive stadium environments yeah, if you don't sure. have the blah, blah, blah. Okay, yes. But I will say what it what it smacked of is you were following the drama surrounding this halftime act that it took forever to be announced, right? That people were like, "Oh, we screwed up." No, we no, but that act. that halftime act was legit. Those are that those were like some sure. country heavyweights. As a sure. casual fan of likes to throw some country on when he goes to a cottage in the summertime, those mm-hmm. those guys all are legit. Middle guy well, less so, but the opener and the closer <laughs> were well, there's there's definitely like a a live rehearsal, right? Like there's they're playing <laughs> yeah, the music guy. through the sound, and yeah. everybody at that point understands what is about to happen. They yeah. understand the stakes. They, at that point, though, you're no, so that's pot what committed. I'm questioning like, you, you is like, do you, you have actually no think he understands? Like, do you think he knew when he was going to get up there that it was just going to be that where he was going to yeah. go? Oh my God, everyone's going to know I can't sing. Well, because once once he does the rehearsal and everybody realizes what's about to take pla- take place in a matter of hours, like yeah. there's no at that point there's no point. Why would you tell yeah. the guy, "Hey, uh, you're about to suck"? Eh? Yeah. No, yeah. I dude, if I was his manager, I'd have been like, he strained his larynx. I'd have I'd have something out there. Remember, this happened to uh, also a auto tune band. I'm not going to name their names, but they're from this country, and they happened to go viral that one time, doing the cover of somebody that you used to know. Where they were all tapping the guitar at yeah. the same time. Remember that video, viral moment? And then their guy tried to sing live at like Ellen and didn't do it. And then immediately, Smart. though, he did the PR move of <laughs> I had laryngitis. And everyone went, We can see that. We get it's yeah. it's definitely not Mercury's that. Mercury's in retrograde. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You gotta have that PR move immediately after. Otherwise, you're screwed. You're you're absolutely screwed. Um, Grey Cup was awesome though, otherwise. That was what a what a football game. It was it was so Damn entertaining. It had everything you wanted. It, it like uh, a heavy favorite, an underdog Toronto team. Uh, maybe 20 Argos fans that were there. How many of which were family? I don't know. I don't blame Toronto, though, because, listen, uh, you could love your team all you want. Going to Saskatchewan in the middle, late November? Can we say it's late? It's late November. Yes. Yeah. Like, no. Is that your defense as Mr. Hardo Argo fan yeah. who, like, attends, like, one game every three seasons? Yeah, I, wouldn't, I didn't don't, because, you I, know, it's no. late November. What are you talking about, giant. one game every three seasons? I go every single year. I've never, since I have lived in Toronto, I've gone to an Argos game every single season. Yeah, since I've lived here. Every single one. Even going back to Skydome. Like no, that's false. Don't don't try to slander me like that. How dare you, sir? And first Won't of all, even travel within his own country. To you Regina have you even been to an Argos game? game? What's that? Have you ever been to a, an Argos game? 
buddy, until yeah, I attended this season's <laughs> like how we're Blue having Jays playoff game, right it was now. the only yeah. postseason game I'd ever seen of yeah. any of the Toronto professional sports yeah, teams. Yeah, I forgot. That's such a that's such a black mark on your on your sports guy resume. Is that that's the only playoff game that you've ever been to? Was that one Blue Jays game? Uh, so anyway, I love the Argos. I love going live. I actually am kind of feeling a little optimistic after that game about. And, and I don't even think it's just that game. I think it was the East Final, too. I, the East Final was, it, it probably wasn't a sellout, but it was actually pretty damn close. 21,000. Yeah, and it wasn't a lot of Alouettes fans, right? Like, there have been times last year, there's a bunch of Ticats fans in the house. Other fan bases travel really well. The Alouettes didn't really have that. There were a lot of Argos fans there. I'm wondering if the confluence of events, because as a television product, I, I just don't think that Toronto's ever going to rally behind the Argos. Like, I just don't. I'm not trying to be unrealistic. I don't think that we're all going to be gathered around the couch watching Argos games. But here are my markers for why I think that there could actually be a little bit of positive momentum in terms of home gate sales. One, post-pandemic, people still want to do stuff. I think that there still is an allure for going out and doing things. Two is the stadium is awesome. The atmosphere is great. And, and if there's some way to connect with a bit of a younger audience in terms of, hey, you can go to this game for the cheap, you can be outside, you can drink beer before the game in a tailgate, and then once you get into the stadium, it's actually like a really, really fun sport. See the advent of gambling, where it's really fun to gamble on the CFL because everybody likes overs, points, totals, and it's a really fun game to bet on. Like, it really is. If you have CFL bets, you get what you got last night which is teams that are usually pretty close in terms of the betting line, overs and totals that can blow up in a matter of moments. And then lastly, I actually think that that game was a little bit different than some of the previous Argos wins. 2012 was a little bit of a, well, how did they get Ricky Ray again? For, I think it was Steven Giles. And it was just, no, that wasn't it. Who was the guy? I can't remember who the quarterback was that they sent out the door, but it felt like the league had stacked the deck for Toronto with the 100th anniversary. And then the one that they ended up winning in 2017, Ricky Ray was an older quarterback. It felt just like a very familiar product. That was that was a different kind of Grey Cup game to me. That was a more entertaining Grey Cup than a lot of the iterations that we've had in the past. And for me, remember when we did the Johnny Manziel could save the Argos thing? I actually yeah. do feel a little bit like Swag Kelly, Chad Kelly coming in that game having a huge play where he picks up the second down and Massive. scrambles it. They score. He just has a couple of, like, really good plays. He steps in there and doesn't look bad, doesn't look terrible. If he is the quarterback next year and you have a team full of really likable guys, maybe, just maybe, you got enough name recognition to get a few extra people that would be interested in going. I don't know. I just I, – I, I'm kind of believing – a little bit. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I'm not saying that it's going to change the map of the city, right? And it'll probably be a little humbling when the Argos have their uh, have their rally uh, at City Hall on Thursday, yeah. I think at 11, which I will be going to, by the way. Again, will you? No, because you're a fraud, but I'm going. Either way, do you feel, am, am I being way over the top? Am I being way too much of the moment? Like, how are you feeling about it? Well, I don't think that individual players honestly have that much of an impact because I mean we saw Ricky Williams, right? We saw Johnny Manziel. We seen big names. But people names. cared. I, they just didn't. They just didn't hit, right? Like Ricky Williams wasn't yeah. good enough here. Yeah. Do you think if he had been just a dominant, well, you know, if yeah. he had been 
uh, a part of the game plan a little bit more that that would have enticed people to show up. I do think I went I think to a CFL a... game to see Ricky Williams in university. So I know that he had drawing power. He just barely played. And yes. then we went, oh, what the hell? And I think that there's this misnomer that guys who come from the NFL or guys who have NFL skill can just step into the CFL and just be amazing, right? There's certain positions, certain guys that if they did step in, it would be like, imagine the Dominican Sue in his prime on the D right. line in a CFL game against those offensive linemen. Like, obviously, there is a there's a different level of talent and size in a lot of the different positions. But skill positions, I, I think, is there's actually a little bit uh, it's it's closer. It's it's closer. To me, it's it's just it's got to be it's got to feel cool again. And I'm yeah. not discounting the possibility that it will. But like, think back to when oh, cool. the Blue Jays started drawing people uh, in 15 and 16. I mean, yeah, part of it was the big trades, and part of it was the excitement of those teams and the possibility of returning to the playoffs uh, after a 20 year absence. But part of it was just hanging out, right? Like it was a cool place to hang out. And what they did at Rogers Center with the the center field uh, WestJet flight deck. I mean, that's a big part of it, that you have the summer as well, that this this could be like a destination sporting event in this city. I think that's that's more part of it. And I don't think that happens overnight. That's like a gradual progression thing. That's that's And I, the Argos have done their best to try and foster that with the tailgate stuff. And I, I don't know if it's, yeah, halftime entertainment, more of that no. during the regular season. But, yeah, making it a destination just ha- like not necessarily focusing on the football, which sucks for sports fans, but I mm-hmm. think you need to appeal to people beyond just the product on the field. Dude, I'm telling you, Argos had something when they started to do the cheaper beers in the parking lot before the game. Right. And I don't know yeah. why that went away. It was like $2 tall cans or something? No, it was, they were short cans, but I think they were, and they were five bucks, but it was still just enough something. where you'd go. Yeah, or maybe even four bucks. It was it was enough where you would go and say, I'm going to grab two of these and I'm going to hand yeah. you a $10 bill and be able to go hang out in the parking lot. And people could bring their own anyway, Like, but it was still just a nice little feature. I've always thought the, the Argo should charge less for beer. They really should. They should charge less for beer. And I know that they would go, are you kidding? Uh, we actually still sell all the beers when we're there. But yeah, right. of course you do. But in order to draw more people, I really do believe that would work. If you can get people in the door with Dude, an entertaining night, CFL you, team. You, 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 Friday night, people are going to the Argos game and then going to the bar afterwards. Like, it's part of your planning yep. for a weekend. It's like you go to the Argos game. You don't you don't spend $300. You spend, you know, maybe mm-hmm. close to 100 bucks. But, yeah, you, you've got some money in your pocket still for the bar afterwards like that's that seems like a formula that would I, that could work i will say two things one is that the tickets are so cheap that it does make it a little bit more enticing to spend a little bit more that night the thing that really does stink for the argos is afterwards man liberty village sucks like it's just not a great place to be and the bars around it are not great it's just a kind of a poorly designed part of town I, like, well, have, have you ever? I would gotten... argue that the entire city is poorly designed. Yeah, like, I, would I would say too. unless you're taking the GO train, right? Like it's it's still very difficult to get to BMO Field. Yes, I'm just saying that. Yeah, when you get out of BMO Field, it's not. If you're driving, then you're probably with a group where you go. Well, that was we've got the one DD. Maybe that's fine, but you're going to be stuck in there in traffic. It's not an easy place to get out of. If you're taking transit. There's no convenient transit. You got to do kind of that walk up and away from the stadium and then get on some crowded bus. It's no fun. There's no Ubers around. You can't do that. There's no, and then you walk and you try to go and say, all right, I'm going to kill time at a bar until I can grab an Uber, until the surge prices go down. And there's like only a few bars. There's not a bunch where it's awesome to go to and they fill up 
extremely quickly. And usually, they happen to be full of patrons who were watching other games at these bars before. So you can't even get a bunch of the people from there. It's it's a tough, it's an actually tough thing to overcome. I don't know what the solution to that is. But in terms of going to the games themselves, I'm telling you, the product is quality. It happens to me every single time I go, oh my God, I need to go to more Argos games. Oh my God, this is so unbelievably fun. The The game itself is... The differences in the game make it special and make it way more fun. Not way more fun than going to an NFL game, but allow you to kind of get away from the whole binary thinking of, well, this isn't the NFL. This isn't NFL football. Oh, I wish it was NFL football. I just, what the Argos need to be able to overcome is the person who tweets, oh, I don't even know who any of the players are. Like, I can't name three of the players. Like, who cares? You can't sell, you're right, you can't sell the individuals, you can't sell the guys. You have to be able to sell a good, entertaining product and maybe like one or two, three figures that people know the names of. Yeah, you, yes. Because what you're talking about, um, yeah, the the guy that says I don't know any of the players is the hardcore sports fan, right? Like kind of the, the Toronto sports snob, the, the person that we talk about, Toronto Hard not though. being necessarily a great sports town, but yeah. like a, a big events town. It's like a, it's a great Leafs town because yep. people show up for the Leafs. Nobody supports OHL hockey. Nobody supports AHL hockey in the city of Toronto. They support the big brands so yeah, yeah you, you can't you can't really appeal to those people those people will come along if you get the casuals and you just turn it into an event that's that's the best way i can i can get my head around them returning to some level of relevance and then at some at that point you've seen enough games that you understand the through lines the storylines of the season then maybe there's some trickle over effect into television ratings but they've, they've tried almost everything like the pandemic couldn't have helped uh you're right like when was that that they started you know because it's it's illegal to actually have tailgating in this in this city in this country in this province that Mm -hmm. you know there was that that mickey mouse tailgate thing that was you had to buy beers from the stadium if they could you know regenerate that in some capacity make it a destination it's so dumb honest to god this is one of this is a random uh, offshoot gripe but there is nothing more embarrassing. I shouldn't say nothing. That's too much hyperbole. There's a lot of things embarrassing about Ontario these days. But one of the most embarrassing things is that we are such a beer-drinking nation, mm-hmm. and we went through a pandemic where people were drinking outside in parks, and yeah. you know what didn't happen? Chaos. Yeah, uh, chaos did not ensue. People, We did not lose our grip on society, and we lobbied to politicians, hey, maybe we should be able to drink outside, and just be trusted as adults, like, you know, most countries, uh, most reasonable uh, quality countries. And they went, no, we don't think so. Well, we, we, we don't believe that this is a, a very good idea, which is wild. Like, the idea that you can't just have a beer in a public place and do it responsibly. Who wants to be a jerk? We're not really, this is not a, I would say if there's one thing about Canadians that I believe is kind of a, a real stereotype that does apply... People here don't really want to just, like, stand out and be the drunkard in public. That's a pretty cringy thing to do, right? You know, this isn't something... Do you feel as though when you go out in public, you catch a lot of people who are, you know, like, aggressive? Is that a Canadian thing? Oh, no, I guess, I like, because now I'm thinking of NFL country. fans, right? Yeah, go to, yeah, go to the uh, States. Yeah, and I'm thinking of yeah no. the the Bills tailgates that I've been to. Yes, man. Yes. No, it's different. It's very, it's very, very different here yeah. than the States in terms of the show me attitude of being out in public and being wasted. And yeah, it's just, it's embarrassing that we can't have it here. 
It's so stupid. It's just, and it's incredible that, I, I think I've said this even on the show before, it's nuts to me that if you get on the subway with a beer, you feel like a bad boy, and people will look at you like, wow, a beer on the subway heading down to the Rogers Center? <gasps> Cover your children's eyes. It does, it, it feels silly to talk about the only way the Argos can be successful has to do with alcohol, but yeah, it's live sports. Is a, it's but it's live sports of, and it's outdoors. Yeah, it's, it's kind of intrinsically tied to, to live sports. I it's Yes, it's... We've we've seen at times that people will show up for this team, mm-hmm. and I, I just I want to believe that the pandemic and losing an entire season and the momentum that might have been building after that is what sapped the energy. Like twenty one thousand for the East final was was encouraging. Yeah, I'm telling you, I felt very encouraged. I was shocked, 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 shocked when I went down to that game and I saw the amount of double blue. And you're never gonna, I don't think you're ever gonna get Argos fans who travel, like I said, to Regina for a Grey Cup. It just it's not really gonna happen on mass like a bunch of the other fan bases. I'm not saying that it becomes as important to the community as it is in Hamilton, right? Like, Hamilton gets a new stadium, they get the Great Cup, they get real momentum by the team. By the way, if you're a Hamilton fan, you have to just be sick that your team has not been able to win one of these. You're the, uh, you're the anti-Argos, where every time the Argos get into the Great Cup, they win. And the, yes. the Ticats, every time they get into it, lose. It's cruel. It's a cruel twist of fate that... I would say Hamilton cares much more deeply about the Ticats than Toronto cares about the Argos, and they just cannot get it done. And we're having these conversations like, hey, can we just care a little about this? And Hamilton's going, we care. Just let us get one of these. It's back in Hamilton next year, by the way, rightfully so. Either way, uh, I am optimistic. I don't think it's purely just the booze. I'm just saying that I do think that having events where you do build your branding a little bit more around, hey, tailgating culture is fun and the community of this is fun. Because you're not going to just get people in the door by being a part of a fan club, you know, fan base club. That's just not going to happen anymore. It is building the community of football around the party that comes with the event. The fact that the tickets are cheap, that the event is great. But it's just that, to me, it's about getting people in the door. Because when you actually watch the games and you go, the product is undeniable. When you watch it on television and you're watching it at home and you've just spent, you know, your Sundays watching your fantasy football teams and red zones... And, like, did you see the catch Mike Williams made yesterday on the uh, sideline? No. Yeah, it was just like a pirouette, jump up, turn, catch at the sideline, or the CeeDee Lamb catch. There's just plays in the NFL or players in the NFL that you cannot replicate. And so when you compare the CFL on television to the NFL on television, the product is just, it's night and day there. But I'm telling you, you go to these games live, and if it can be a real live event in the city, I just, I, I believed in it a little bit after last night. I think... Going to Banner Night is going to be an event in the city. I hope so. I just I, this team has tried so many things, right? Yep. They've, they've they've tried big names. They've tried the tailgate thing, and I guess they got away from it. But there were there were varying reports on how successful that was as well, right? Mm-hmm. But it also does have to coincide. You can't have like an absolutely terrible football team. You That's what I'm saying. You know, this is yeah, a fun so team. Ha- yeah, it ha- everything kind of has to coincide at the same time. They've tried appealing to people's Canadiana, but that obviously doesn't work that in, doesn't in work this in city, right? Because, no. yeah, this city sees itself as kind of separate from no. the rest of the country. Honestly, and- it would probably appeal better if they were like, it's more American, really, and people go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they tried that with, the, you know, Johnny Manziel's yeah. and Ricky yeah. Williams. I know, yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. No. It's like, oh, Americans. Ooh, the Americans like it? <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, we're in. Yeah, we're in. Americans uh, gave it a well, big thumbs up. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, uh, I, I know there was a sect of, of CFL 
not fans, because I think the fan hardos never want the rules to change. But there is some no, thought that, nuts. man, if you just if you played four down football, if you played NFL rules, that maybe that would be so familiar to people, they'd better understand it, that that would be more appealing to the citizens of Toronto. But I think what would happen is you would you would greater see the discrepancy in talent between the two leagues. No, that would be stupid. Um, I would hate to see that. It is interesting that we did think the CFL was completely dead not too long ago with that XFL merger, though. Yeah. That just went away. Well, we thought thought it would, yeah, it would exist in some different form. Yeah, no, but the CFL as we knew it was going to be dead. Yes. Yeah, that it was going to change and that we weren't really sure what the rules were going to be or what the, yeah, it it was different. And that whether the Argos were going to continue to even exist, right? There was potential that they were going to be different. Anyway, I'm glad that they're still here. I'm telling you that I feel hopeful. I believe that Banner Night will be an event, and I think that just like the Eastern Final was an event and a lot of people ended up going, that if you can get people in that building for exciting teams and you can sell them on, oh, this quarterback does this, like you have Swag Kelly as your QB next year, you have a fun defense that flies around the way that they did. You have two running backs that were really exciting to watch. Like Andrew Harris dances on every pickup. He'll pick up four yards and he'll start just like <laughs> dancing on guys. I love that. Ouellette had his sweet moment, double F-bomb in the, in the, in the post game. I thought that was yeah. awesome. He looks like a caveman and he's just, you know, all grit. I love it. It's just they're, they're a fun team. I really believe that there's just a little sliver of a moment here that they can capitalize on. I really do. Yeah, fingers crossed. I will say the the product yesterday was great, and the season's been generally great. But coming out of the pandemic, missing an entire season, and, yep. and I talked to Justin Dunk about it, the quality of the, of the product at that point was bad. Yeah, and and and, and I wasn't. I last wonder night. if there's some some carryover or people that tuned in briefly after missing the entire season that were turned off by it. No. But it was it was a bad product coming off the the missed season. Yeah, I think that they built a little momentum. I really do. I think they built a little momentum. I think that. If you stuck around for the post game and you watched even a little bit of it, you watched like Enoch Mwamba have yeah. his emotional moments. That's his, my guy. Yeah, that's everybody's guy now. But no, he just, no, he's mine. No, he's your guy. Everybody, back off. Pretty he's sure he's now. actually uh, Donovan Bennett's guy because I'm. They like do a podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, to, not anymore. Used to be his guy. Yeah. No, yeah. No, now he's, he's not. That's okay. Chad Chad Kelly's my guy. Like that's that's my guy. Swag. <laughs> Swag! Oh, man, I can't believe he came in. Dude, honestly, just quickly on the actual game itself, Mm -hmm. I said, I'm I'm not being LeBron here. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't, I said when Kobe Bryant was, showed up to Toronto that night, he's going to score seven, I said maybe 70 points, the LeBron line. Mm -hmm. When the Bombers missed that extra point, I was watching the game with McKee and I looked at him and I said, dude, that's just too weird. That's CFL weirdness and something weird is going to happen with that extra point. Boom, it ends up happening. But when the, when the Bombers return that kick, I, I did think it was done. And sure. that Chad Kelly coming in, kind of throwing some darts early, but then throwing a little underneath well, and not. Second well, and 15? Who didn't that think was it. it was over? That's what I mean. That's second and 15 after Brandon Banks took that penalty. And he picked it up with his legs. I'm telling you, I will remember that moment forever. <laughs> that was a real <laughs> Toronto sports moment for me, man. I loved it. Anyways, shout out the Argos. I'll see you down there Thursday. I'm 100% going to the rally. I wish, even though it's smaller, I wish they would call it a parade. There's just something, it just doesn't sound good where you're like, it's the Argos rally. You're like, what are they protesting? You know, like we've had too many, <laughs> we've had too many rallies in the last couple of years. We need a rebrand. We need another word that's somewhere between parade and rally because yeah, rally's not really doing it for me. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk about um, the Blue Jays outfield options and uh, yeah, how we're feeling about 
the World Cup so far because for me it's it's kind of hard to lock in. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, good hour continues with Ben Ennis. Am I live? Yeah, you're live. You're very live. Yeah. Am I, am I live? Is, you know what, I thought though? you were asking me if I was alive. Oh, are you alive? No, you're... I think you're alive. I thought you were asking, are you live as in, are you on the air? And I went, yeah, you're, you're on the air. But that, that is the way to do it, is to ask that question. It's not to right. do it another way. It's like, don't start swearing. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, okay, so... Can I transition out of Qatar and end up getting to baseball, or do I start with the Jays and then go to Qatar? I mean, depends on how skilled you are. Mm, I, okay, I mean, yeah. Now that you challenged me, I want to see you start with Qatar. Yeah, I got to start with Qatar baseball. I, okay. Um, so you've obviously seen the story by now with the armbands that uh, I think it was Harry Kane that was first that wanted to wear one, right? It was Harry Kane that came out and was like, "I'm going to wear an armband that says One Love," and it was in support of. Uh, equality, right? Like, um, I think it was, it specifically is like an LGBTQ armband. Yes. Um, FIFA says you can't wear that or we're going to, we're going to fine you or we're going to hit you with a, a penalty. We're going to hit you with a yellow card for wearing yes. this. No, the, 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 the financial penalties existed until late. It was revealed that it was going to be an actual yeah. yellow card in the game. So it was going to be a yellow card. Um, None of all the other nations, instead of you know backing this up, they go the opposite way. They all agree like they're not going to wear the arm brand either. FIFA sticks with this. This, by the way, like a day after um, the the FIFA president uh, takes to a podium and does truly one. Did you watch that yeah. media conference? Yeah, it, that was one of the wildest media conferences. Yeah, that's going to go down as, I, I think, number one for me. There's nothing, like, I, I don't even know what you could possibly compare it to, given all the parameters of it and all the different quotes and all the different things that he said. Like, comparing uh, him, his understanding of, yeah, a, a place where you're discriminated on to the point where, like, you can be put in jail, it's illegal to be gay, um, to him having freckles and red hair and... Just this entire thing, man, it was always uncomfortable. Like it being in November, um, these stadiums being built an, essentially by slave labor, um, Qatar's laws against, you know, people who are gay. Um, seeing the FIFA president just kind of sit there at the podium and try to discuss some of this just like like unequivoc, like this, this corruption, and then them not even being able to put armbands on their players, like a small signifier of, okay, we know some of this is wrong because they've just completely bent the knee to Qatar. I got to, like, maybe when the Canada game starts, I'll be able to kind of suspend belief and just sort of get into the soccer at this point. But I'll tell you right now, I just, I have not been able to do it. And I feel incredibly uneasy watching this tournament. And, and I know that, a lot of times that this happens with sports, like there are a lot of bad things that are affiliated with sports in a lot of different leagues. You know, there's bad guys who end up getting in, whatever. A lot of these leagues can act in very corrupt ways and in bad ways. They can overlook things. There's no doubt. I'm not trying to say that this is, well, this is all that different. But this in particular is just, I, I haven't been able to do it yet. I can't suspend the belief. I couldn't watch Qatar play. The bribery scandal stuff, like everything yeah. involved in it, it's just been they one thing after another. I, I just yeah. don't know how you can pretend. 
Uh, you can't. So I want to get to that in just a second because I talked to Donovan Bennett about that last week. But yeah, secondarily, so the cowardice of of Harry Kane and that English team to not just wear an armband. Contrast that with the Iranian team and the the protests that are happening and the the horrible acts of violence that are being uh, acted on the citizens of Iran mm-hmm. uh, and the protesters that are are being executed or blinded. Mm-hmm. The Iranian team chose not to sing their national anthem before this match today. You think the repercussions for that might be a little more severe than getting a yellow card either way. So yeah, this is the the whole thing about the World Cup being in Qatar, the whole... It's hard for me to reason... single out the English team, though, when it's everybody else that's also being complicit. Well, I mean, we haven't like... seen anybody else, right? But they're we've not going to do it. Yeah, we, we've seen the English team. I don't... I, I guess. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen them not do it. The English team didn't. Um, the whole reason that Qatar bribes a million people to have this World Cup played in the middle of winter in their nation is sports washing, right? That we're, we're supposed to forget about the sins, uh, the, the political atmosphere in those countries because, hey, it's sports. I It has not been effective at all. Like, it wasn't effective during the Olympics when Beijing hosted the world and all we saw were like the weirdo people dressed up in their in their spacesuits and everybody cordoned off from the the rest of civilization mm-hmm. all it's done is put the the human rights issues everything that's wrong with that country on display for everybody who was talking about Qatar before this nobody and we should have been we should have been talking about the 6000 or so migrant workers that that died in the construction of these stadiums. To me, it's done the opposite. It's put that stuff in people's minds where we wouldn't have thought about it before. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I just, yeah, I I want to be able to just watch Canada soccer and I want to be able to enjoy this tournament as someone who in his lifetime has never been able to do that. I just I can't, I feel uneasy watching it. Um, I feel uncomfortable the entire time. I feel a very disconnected to the sport when I'm even having it on in the background. And I'm just thinking like, and I know it starts with England and they were supposed to be the team. Well, I know it started yesterday with Qatar, but either way that, yeah, the first game is one where everybody's waiting on it to potentially be rigged. And no one thinks that that's an impossibility given right. like that. It's already nefarious in terms of it being here. <laughs> like, And then the second game starts with, you're right. An English team that, is too afraid to incur a yellow card penalty to show. But again, I don't blame the English team as much as I blame FIFA for even just saying, yeah, we're going to end up doing that. We're going to have com- be completely spineless. I just, I just don't see, yeah, I, I, I just don't see how I'm going to get into this World Cup outside of Canada games. Like, I'm going to lock in. I'm going to try to watch Canada. I'm going to be invested in it. I'm going to, yeah, really root on those players. But I, I would imagine that the second Canada's out, that I, I just go into full checkout mode. I just, I'm not well, going to be able to do it. And, and this is the sport, right? By yeah. and large, it's like the IOC, FIFA, and the NFL. Like the, yeah, North America. I'm not like separating North American pro sports from the other two, but they are on a different level when we're talking about the IOC yeah. and we're talking about FIFA. Yeah, the IOC um, didn't have you know over six thousand people die building stadiums, right? Like, right. yeah, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, there, there might be some oversight if yeah. that happened in North America. Like, say the commander's new ownership decide to build a new stadium and, yeah. you know, you know, some people die. One during person the, the, dies. It's national news. No kidding. So, yes, we can we can talk about how, how some of the, the owners of NFL franchises are horrible and some of the associations that the league itself mm-hmm. has are bad. But it's on a different level. It's on a different scale. We're talking about 
billions upon billions of dollars that were were lining people's pockets one to have this tournament even held in this country it's uh but yeah it's to me it's done the opposite because mm -hmm. the whole idea is supposed to normalize the country right like it's yeah hey maybe you've never heard of qatar but it's a place you could come visit maybe have a good time look it, it looks just like a, a a southern locale it's it's really warm here but instead i think people who again yeah had not heard of qatar maybe until they started watching this world cup are doing some research or being told mm -hmm. about what has happened over the the last four to eight years in preparation for this world cup and the lives that are lost and the and the laws that are on the books and the horrible horrible human rights track record of this country and and not something they would have otherwise thought of if there was not a world cup held in that country yeah i think that and i'm not trying to be defeatist but it is even a little bit more depressing when you see stuff like yeah his name's gianni uh, i think infantino yes. the fifa president who delivered that speech like that he just ran unopposed and that he'll face like no discipline for this right like nothing well, and the former head of fifa yeah. uh Seb blatter yeah. you know he was he was blasting the tournament being held in qatar not because so of the great. horrible human rights tr uh, track record or the six thousand people that died just because the country's a little too small and yeah, yeah the time of year that that's why they, yeah. they shouldn't have held the world cup no that's yeah that's good stuff by him and just yeah that People will be concerned. People will be outraged for a little while, but then it'll turn into nothing. You know, it'll become, like I said, apathy, and people move on and end up forgetting. I guess that that's the one positive spin is that Qatar will get no positive PR from any of this, like right. not a single solitary thing. Anyways, um, I will transition to something a little less serious. I can't wait for this. Um, so I had Jeff Passan on last week, and. It made bigger news outside of this country, which was weird, about Brandon Nimmo was the Mets. A lot of the Mets Twitter and Reddit and a lot of places picked up the, the price for Brandon Nimmo. Looks like he's going to be in line for something that's closer to George Springer than people, I think, originally anticipated when he was first kind of kicked around. He's become a very, very sexy name. Blue Jays and um, Mets just locked into some kind of a free agent rivalry these last couple of off seasons, apparently. Yeah. Like, they're going to go down to the wire again. I would imagine... I, I would guess that the Mets aren't going to get outpaid for their own guy, but if the contract gets up into those crazy numbers, maybe that does end up happening to the Blue Jays. This feels like now, despite, like, the Teoscar trade happens, and I go, okay, well, it's all about the secondary move that happens here, right? It's all about what they do next. And now I'm kind of feeling worse about it because the two options appear to be you roll the dice on Cody Bellinger, who is awful for the Dodgers. Like, by far the Dodgers... Do you think the Dodgers are non-tendering good players? <laughs> the team that spends the most and doesn't care at all about money? They're going, hey, your options are reclamation project Cody Bellinger or overpaying Brandon Nimmo, a guy who is by no means an elite center fielder, like a good on-base guy who is getting a little bit older and showed some real signs of regression last year and is not a stud at his position. Um, like potentially a five years over $100 million contract, $120 million contract. Yeah, it, Jays kind of feel like they're in a really tough spot all of a sudden to figure out this next outfield piece. Uh, yeah, so I said this on Friday that Cody Bellinger is Stop saying like, that you already said stuff, okay? Just have a conversation well, with me. Like, no one cares. To, to know that I was early on this. Yeah, okay. Uh, Cody Bellinger as the opening day center fielder is a nightmare. Oh, Cody oh. Bellinger, three years ago, won an MVP award, was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Cody Bellinger has had multiple shoulder injuries since mm -hmm. then, some of which were exacerbated by giving uh, over-exuberant high-fives and celebrating too too uh, too hard during playoff games. But yeah, Cody Bellinger's... 
Cody Bellinger's best years are pretty clearly behind him unless he gets a new shoulder, and I don't think we have, like, shoulder replacement surgery mm-hmm. yet. Um, and if so, I don't, I don't think you want to take the guy who would be the, the test case study for that. Brandon Nimmo is very good, okay? So I, I, I don't want... Uh, the 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 idea that Brandon Nimmo would be a bad ad in 2023 or even 2024 that's not true. Like Brandon Nimmo, if he's healthy, that's a really good option for the Blue Jays. He's a career on base of 385. Like that's insane. That's outrageous. And he has a little bit of pop, and he plays defense in the most demanding outfield position. I got a an at, at least respectable average level. Yeah, like, that's he's what I mean, pretty... He's not a Gold Glover. No, but he's he can play the position. Yeah, which is, and better than George Springer, who was thirtieth among uh, center fielders uh, in outs above average. That's in kind of shocking. Field. I didn't know that stat. Yeah, so he, I, I didn't. But is that the a cumulative test stat? Because he, he ends up missing bad? a bunch of games. Pardon that. Is that Pardon a cumulative me? stat? Because he missed a bunch of games. No, that well, is that's that an is average like, stat. It's like a, yeah, well, it's it's like a defensive runs saved. Uh, thing where yeah it is cumulative but like cumulative in the negative sense and in that way it's even worse right um but uh no Brandon Nimmo is really good and the Blue Jays should be pleased as punch to have him as their opening day center fielder in 2023 but the problem is he's only played 100 games twice in his career and this is a guy that has had well a myriad of injuries but like the most common one and the most recent one is soft tissue hamstring stuff and a guy that's only ever played on real grass his entire career and part of the reason you're talking about moving George Springer off center field is the defense, but part of the reason is also injury mitigation, right? Yeah. Uh, so do you really want to bring in the almost 30-year-old injured guy to play that position? Again, like I think as long as he's healthy, that's a great addition. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also only going to be able to play center field probably like for two, maybe three more years, and then you have the same George Springer problem, right? Yeah, he's, two- thir- he's 30 years old come next baseball season. Right. So then you have two guys that you acquired as center fielders who can't play the position anymore. We were talking to Eno Saris, uh, who said, mm-hmm. yeah, like 31, 32, maybe 33, but usually like 32 is about the limit at which you can play reasonable defense in center field. But Brandon Nimmo's bat plays. Like he will play. I, I, at that point, you're probably without Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he moves to the other corner. But yeah, the, but it, all things being equal, if Brandon Nimmo is healthy, then you should be ecstatic with that acquisition. You're right about going head-to-head with the Mets. I mean, they've already outbid them on Kevin Gossman and George Springer. Are they about to to lose on one of their own guys? Although George Springer is a Connecticut guy. It really did feel like that was like, oh, yeah. that, that would have been kind of a, a homecoming for, for him uh, as well. But yeah, they're going to have to go George Springer-type money over six years for for Nimmo it seems okay but this is where I'm going with this man is it just okay I know that no free agent contract ends up being good every free agent contract is an overpay you have to be willing to do that so looking at it through the lens of oh well you're gonna have to overpay Brennan of course you are so that's no big deal most free agents as well um you take on the injury of age so Brandon Nimmo being 30 is not an exclusive problem what I would say, though, is, yeah, his on-base percentage did take a decent dip last season from where it has been just even over his career and where it was a year before that, right? It was just, it it dropped off, and it was more plate appearances, so whatever. But, yeah, he was down to 367, which is great, which would be awesome for the Blue Jays, but it did tail off a little bit 
it would be amazing for the Blue Jays. Again, I think there was only like one or two guys that ended up having a higher on base than that. But you have to go back to 2018, and I know Pandemic was in one of those years too, but for having him play 140 games. He played 151 last year. Before that, there's nothing. He never cracked 70. Like so, yeah. Or sorry, he did have one where he had 92. But either way, he just he. You're right. He has missed a lot of time. I do feel a little uncomfortable with it. The question is, the follow up for you is, where else do you even go if it's not one of those two guys? Is it? It's just exclusively trade for you. Well, yeah. And uh, Ken Rosenthal had a piece that he published yesterday in the Athletic, uh, identifying the Diamondbacks as a team with all the center fielders that are open to trade. But yeah, you're going. You're going to trade. You're talking. You have to talk yourself into Dalton Varsho. Who's quite good? Who hit like 30 bombs a season ago, uh, and plays actually really good defense in center field and is younger and is under team control. But you're giving up like the idea that Ricky Tiedemann could be involved in a Dalton Varsho trade. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility. We're talking about a controllable, good young center fielder with with uh, who's left-handed and hits for power. Like that. Those. While the Diamondbacks are looking to maybe move off one of their center fielders, they're not doing it for free, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're you're. You're weakening your minor league system. But what this team is obviously in the mode of doing and should be in the mode of doing is trying to win a World Series in 2023. Sure. So, like, you, you do you do give up the idea of, of, I don't know, if it's a prospect or if it's, you know, financial inflexibility because you're paying Brandon Nimmo 25 million bucks in, in 2026 to not be your center fielder. That is kind of tomorrow's problem. And and eventually those chickens come home to roost. But if you haven't won a World Series, you're screwed anyways. And and you've you've moved off this core by that point anyway. Like there, so you there think does this need is to be some option. more immediacy thinking. You you think that this is the best option today is is Brandon Nimmo? I do. Okay. Yeah, because you said it. I mean, outside of him, it's uh yeah. I'm not talking myself into Cody Bellinger, despite the fact that he played pretty good defense in center field and still has speed but can't hit, right? Like mm-hmm. just cannot hit. I mean, if if he even showed some of his plate discipline without the power from his MVP season, I would have been more encouraged, but that has kind of gone by the wayside, and you understand it. Like, why would anybody walk this guy, considering he, he hasn't been able to hit over the last two and a half seasons? So, I mean, you, you cannot... The reason everybody's kind of cool with the Blue Jays getting fleeced in a Teoscar Hernandez trade is because they're expecting the next move to be significant. Yeah. You can't be moving off Teoscar Hernandez in what was essentially a salary dump, and the, Ross Atkins would admit as such, right? Like, it's, Eric Swanson's not better than Teoscar Hernandez. Well, the reason everybody's cool when, with that... Especially when it was actually portrayed, like, the thing that you saw from a lot of people was cleared the money. Like, every piece yes. that was written about Teoscar Hernandez was freed up money, freed up cash, freed up flex, you know? Like, that clearly yeah. also, that messaging came from the Blue Jays, right? That's well, not yeah, a... You, you can't take that money and then spend ten million of it on Cody Bellinger, who's a reclamation no. project, who's around for one year. It's, it's not signing a long-term deal. You don't want him to sign a long-term deal, and that's your opening day center fielder. It's, it's not acceptable. Yes, it's, but that's what I'm saying. You cannot trade Teoscar Hernandez for a reliever that was not a back end of the bullpen guy for the Mariners and Cody Bellinger. Like that, no. if that's the trade, you did very poorly in that trade. Correct. That's why it has to be Brandon Nimmo, unless. Unless you're unless you're selling yourself on Varsho, but even still, again, mm-hmm. you're you're giving up some future assets, which which I guess you'd be fine with because you are talking about winning World Series in 2023. But the idea that Ricky Tiedemann could could factor in in this season is not out of the realm of possibility. Boy. Yeah, I just it just feels like the I don't think that this front office is dumb. 
they clearly acted at this time to make sure that they could get their best possible return, that they could make sure that they got this trade, that they wanted it, whatever. But weirdly, it does feel like they have just ramped up the pressure that almost they didn't need to. Was it really going to be impossible to move Teoscar Hernandez and that money in a salary dump for reliever after you figured out what you were going to do in your outfield? Like, I, I well, don't know. Which, which makes you think that something is very close to being yeah. done. Right? Like that, that the groundwork has been laid to such a degree. And maybe it's Michael Conforto. I don't know. He's a total unknown, unknown because mm-hmm. he missed an entire season. And I was going to say, he when's also the last had time he shoulder... played? What's that? When's the last time he played? Yeah, two years ago. Uh, yeah. He missed an entire season. And he had shoulder issues and also had, like, a workout for teams before the deadline to add players before the playoffs and yeah, still no nobody bit on yeah. on Michael Conforto. In theory, he makes some sense. Left-handed hitter with power, plays center field, except he hasn't played center field. Like, he, he has played – he played in 2021, hasn't played center field since 2019. Mm-hmm. So the idea that he would – be able to one hit to the level that he was before he missed an entire season and two play center field seems unlikely. Yeah. Anyway, this you're right. It does feel like it's going to be imminent. It does feel like people are going to judge it pretty harshly. I just needed to bounce it off you today about what the actual ideal scenarios are because I, I think you're right. If it's not if it's not Nimmo at this point, it's going to have to be a trade. And yeah, we've seen this front office be a little reluctant at times to part with some of their favorite assets when it comes to trades like this. So it gets pretty interesting where it goes from there. I will tell you that if it's Cody Bellinger, I'm I'm going to be very upset. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be pleased. There will not be uh, some shows for me where I'm trying to sell a great people. Meme face. Like it's, it, you know, what would be great. It's like mm-hmm. Cody, it's uh, Brandon Nimmo and Cody Bellinger. That, sure. If now, Cody now Bellinger is a bench piece, then you're okay. If Cody Bellinger is an everyday player, I think that that speaks to, uh, nothing but negatives, frankly. Yeah. Uh, ben Ennis, we can hear you later today on Fan Drive. Thanks for jumping on today, buddy. All right. See you, and, man. Uh, yeah, if you liked the good hour, as always, subscribe, leave five stars, review, do all those things. When we come back, going to see what Greg Jennings knows about the Grey Cup. Boy, we'll do time for action for a very, I would say, unexciting game. Maybe it'll be okay. The Mexico City one. I think it has potential. I did my favorite thing ever. First of all, I bet the Argos to win yesterday. Money Lang, thank you. Made up for my Cowards Parlay getting smashed by Vikings. <laughs> I needed Vikings plus 10.5 to cover. Uh, I'm, I, 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 I've said this. I, I don't know how many times I've said this. I will never bet Kirk Cousins in a big spot. I need to get a tattoo. I need to get a tattoo. I need to get it. I don't know, in the palm of my hand, something like an area of my body that I can see daily because I need to be taught a lesson. I need to be taught a lesson. It's so bad. I had no intentions of betting on Kirk Cousins. And I said even on the show, like this is actually sneakily a primetime game because no one's going to be watching Raiders Broncos and no Mm -hmm. one's going to be watching Steelers Bengals. And look what happened. Kirk Cousins, it wasn't even his fault. That defense was so soft. Yeah, awful, awful performance. But anyways, I made up for the the gambling day because I bet our Argos money line. Cha-ching. Argos, baby. Argos. Swag Kelly. Huge. Yes, huge. Huge, huge, huge. But I did my other favorite thing, which is bet Patrick Mahomes when he's down. And you get the plus money and you go, thank you. Guess what's going to happen? He will score. (laughs) He's going to score. All I could think of was, and there's not very many Chargers fans, right? But there's a few Raiders fans. There's a lot. 
And there's a lot of Broncos fans. And just imagine this guy in your division year over year. He's 14-0 and 0 yeah. in divisional road games. Every time he shows up at your house, <laughs> he, take, he takes from you. You never have a game where you get to go, we're going to beat Mahomes. And the crazy thing about it is he's so good. He and Kelsey, so good. He and Andy Reid, all so good that somebody is going to celebrate that like a Super Bowl one of these days. Yeah. He's going to lose eventually. Someday he will lose in a divisional road game. Yeah. And that opposing fan base is like, he's so good. They're going to wear it like a badge of honor. That's their Super Bowl. That's going to be incredible. They're going to have to hang it like a banner, like the Colts did in the cringiest way ever when they lost to the Patriots uh, <laughs> during the deflate gate year. And they tried to hang a banner to remind new England that new England beat them. Anyway, I don't know what the hell is going on with that. Uh, Greg Jennings, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winning receiver. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Oh, what's happening? I'm great. Oh, I'm good. Glad to hear it. Um, you know that the Grey Cup was yesterday? You know, I did. Nice. Did not get a chance to check that out. That's too bad. You missed a hell of a game. What do you know about the Grey Cup? Like, give me all the facts you have right now about Toronto and the Grey Cup. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is it. That's exactly what I know. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, damn it. I was hoping that you'd have one stat. Because, like, some guys at the end of their careers, they came up like Ocho Cinco did it. Like, there, there were guys, Ricky Williams obviously came up here. I wondered if you had ever kind of, at the end, considered it, thought about it. Tough to go from, you ended your career in Miami, though, right? Like, tough to go from Miami to the CFL, I will say. That, that probably wasn't a big consideration for you, especially yeah, with all the money I, in the bank. Yeah, I just never, I never even it never was a thought like my my mindset was once i'm done i'm done mm -hmm. i wasn't going to try to prolong it or i never really had a desire don't get me wrong i love the game i love the game for the period of time that i played it still love it enjoy it but i can appreciate it without having to be involved in it so yeah nothing against the great cup it just never was on my radar mm -hmm. uh we won toronto we're champs uh just undefeated in great cups just continue to dominate like it is what it is Toronto rings one up. We stole one from a place called Winnipeg, which I'm guessing you've never heard of before. And here's the thing. It matters way more to them, like infinity more to them. And Toronto ended up getting it. So hang another one for Toronto. Sucks for Winnipeg. Um, yeah, uh, nine straight primetime wins for Mahomes. 14-0 divisional road games. I, I don't even really know what to say about it. Like, I expected him to go down the field and win. Um, I... <sighs> This is just a level of excellence that is, yeah, it's it's hard. You got to compare it to guys like Tom Brady. You got to compare it to guys like Peyton Manning. Um, did you expect it in that game? Did you feel like that was an inevitability when you were watching it? Yeah, I think we all do. I think that's what either makes you love them or hate them and despise mm -hmm. them. Like you, you know that they're never out. Like there is not a moment in that game. There's not a down. Mm-hmm. Like third, it could be third and whatever, and you still, as a fan, what whichever side that you're on, you either are like, okay, we got this, or you're like, oh, shoot, just get a stop. Like that's how you approach Patrick Mahomes in that offense mm -hmm. because you know they, they will come up with something to put them in position to be successful. That's who they are. That's what Patrick Mahomes has shown you. And I said something earlier in the year when the Buffalo Bills was rolling. I was big, and I'm still a Josh Allen fan. Same. But I said he's the best quarterback in the game. Mm -hmm. No, he is not. I retract yeah. that statement. Same. <laughs> I will sit, I will fall on that sword and eat 
all of that that stew poo-poo because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. Greg, we never need to he speak of this again, okay? We, we never need to speak of yeah. our takes again. Neither of us said that, okay? We could just lie. That's what this is. We lie and say we never yeah. said that. And someone says, yes, you did. Say, prove it. And then they won't take the time. They won't do it. So just <laughs> never say it again. Like, we forgive you, but never admit. There to, we go. Yeah, never admit. <laughs> Yeah, we, I love it. We got caught up in the moment. We did. Uh, Josh Allen looked terrific, and there was that real moment. He went in there, and he beat him, and he does have that other physical component to him where he can just steamroll guys. I will say that I, probably my biggest take from this weekend that I wanted to bring to you, though, is I've I, I've always been a little not – I haven't been a Chiefs lover, right? Like, I respect Patrick Mahomes. I enjoy watching him play. But I've never been someone who is like, go Chiefs, go. Um, I, I'm impartial to it. I like greatness. The thing I really appreciated this weekend, though, in watching the Eagles and watching the Bills and this just NFL season in general is there have just been no reliable teams. Look at what the Vikings did. A week before, they end up winning a massive game against those same Bills, and then they lose 40-3. to There's nobody in this league that's reliably good week in, week out, the way that the, the Kansas City Chiefs are. And, yeah, I just I, I thought, especially from you, you know, you were on really, really good Packers teams. And the level of work and commitment that it takes for a group to be that, especially in an NFL where no one else can match it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like for me, it's it's not even the level of work that it takes. It's it's just the flat out swag and belief. Like everybody has a level of confidence. Not everybody has the same level of belief like they they genuinely and it's real they believe that they will win every game they believe that they will get out of every hole that they ever create for themselves and they don't ever feel like they are out that's just who they are they believe that and you it shows when you watch them on the sideline there's not a moment in the game where you feel like they're they're questioning who they are and if they can compete and come back and win a game that's just not I was on teams like that when I was in Green Bay, the teams that you alluded to. We just never felt like we were out. We felt like at any given point we had so many weapons. We had such a great – we had such great quarterback play. It did not matter what you did defensively. We would counterpunch you, and we will eventually knock you out or win by decision, period. That's just what it was. We believed that to our core. And I think a lot of teams that we see, like the Vikings, like we, we question – we question, okay, we kind of expect them to have some type of collapse or some type of uh, unfolding, if you will. Just like the, the Eagles, as, as great as we've seen them play, there were still questions. The Kansas City Chiefs can lose consecutive games, mm-hmm. and we know what they're capable of because of what they've shown us over the course of time, like their reputation perceives them as a team that you can't take lightly. And I think what impresses me more about them than any team in the NFL is they've been playing with the target on their back for a few years now. And they, they don't, they don't play like a team that has a target on their back. They play like a team that knows that they are the target, but they're going to shoot you first. Well, and it's especially incredible because they go into this game without Juju Smith-Schuster. They have the, like, Mark Valdez-Scantling. Like, they lose Kadarius Tony, who I, I don't really know how much of a loss that's supposed to be. I know he's talented, but hasn't been able to stay on the field, and he's new with that team. 
but you look at these weapons and all of a sudden it's a bunch of guys named Moore that are good. I'm like, okay, this guy's making big plays on third down. Like, no, it's Mahomes. <laughs> but the guy that does really have the incredible chemistry with him is Travis Kelsey. He passes Gronk for most 100-yard games, 33 100-yard games. Um, huge play at the end. I love watching him versus Derwin James, especially after he did a podcast appearance where he talked about how much it sucks when Derwin James hits you. (laughs) And yeah, you saw that when Derwin James blew up that poor running, uh, I think it was Pacheco trying to uh, pass block. And he's just like, no, (laughs) you will not, you will not stand in my way for this sack. I'm going through you. It didn't look very comfortable. Do you, who do you think is the greatest just pass catching tight end of all time? Do you think it's Gronk? Do you think it's Tony G? Do you think it's Kelsey? Gates, man, I, I don't, I, I hate to get caught up in the the moment of now. Like you're watching Travis Kelsey now, so naturally it's like Travis Kelsey, and the stats would they would support that. Yeah. Um, when I look at Antonio Gates, there's been so many. You look at like guys like Antonio Gates. Yeah, Gates was uh, the man. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski. Like I loved everything about Shannon Sharp. There's been there have been so mm-hmm. many. I would say my favorite, if I had a favorite, I'm going with Travis Kelsey. Mm. He's been by far my favorite, and I've seen a lot of them. My favorite has been Travis Kelsey just because of his ability to manipulate defenders in his route game. Like catching most tight ends, when when they are really good, when they are great, they catch the ball very well. It's like we very seldomly see them drop balls. When you look over the course of the career, you very seldomly saw Antonio Gates drop a ball. Gonzalez, they just don't drop a lot of balls. Travis Kelsey, his route running, along with Antonio Gates, who yeah. I loved his route running ability, those two, for me, they just, they're just they separated because of what they do in the route running game. Yeah. Um, I obviously really respect both guys. I'm not as big a fan of Kelsey, like personally as I was Gates. Gates just was in that time, you know, like that's pretty much, he becomes a pro bowler during uh, my university years. And yeah, just, he was the, he was the standard bearer at the position. He was kind of like him and Tony G were the guys where they came in. It was the basketball players that did it, but even going through Tony or like, uh, Gates's catch percentages, they're just, they're absurd, right? Like this guy just really didn't drop passes. They're, they're stupid yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, his, <laughs> and just like going over his seasons as a pro bowler, they're awesome. I do think Gates gets a little lost to history because Gonzalez is still in the media. Like he's around all the time. So you're reminded of Tony yep. G, like he's always there. He's around, he's present. You see him, you're reminded of his greatness. Um, he elongated his career in a really impressive way. That's awesome. Yeah, Kelsey and Gronk have both been there just recently. And I, so I... I, could, I think I get a little defensive at times about Gates because it's like, where where is Gates? You know, like, when's the last time anybody's seen him anywhere? I remember he did, like, a cameo on the show The League, and that's it. Like, that's where I've seen him since he retired as a, a player. But, yeah, for me, it's Kelsey because, like I said, those numbers are just eye-popping. And as much as he was with Mahomes and Gates, you know, you can take him and Tony G and they weren't with the same caliber players – to me, it's like when I think about Patrick Mahomes when it's all said and done, I'm also going to think about Travis Kelsey before I even think about um, Tyree Kill, who we talked about last week, you know, in some pretty glowing and gushing ways. And, and I just, I think that says something. I, I think it's just like, no matter how you break it down, he's on the Mount Rushmore of those tight ends. And like, you can't take that away. No question. I believe and, and so for me, I, I think, so Tony, obviously Tony Gonzalez, phenomenal 
phenomenal tight end, did some amazing things. There's nothing about I don't and again, I got a personal relationship with Tony. There's nothing about his game that was like, Did you see what Tony just did? Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing like it's ultra exciting, but when you watch Travis Kelsey, when you watch Antonio Gates, it's like you you know they're gonna do something. And for Antonio Gates to do what he did in the era where it wasn't about tight end play. He was like a featured tight end, and so was Tony. But Antonio, like, it, it was super impressive. But you mentioned something about Travis Kelsey that I think gets extremely overlooked. His, his smarts, his game, his football IQ is so extremely high. Like, you, mm-hmm. you can't guard him because he, he is so unselfish. He will put himself in position to create opportunity and, and, and opportunity for not only himself, but his team. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we saw with Tyreek. That's what makes him so great. That's what makes the guys around them so great, and it allows them to uh, jump into a role so much quicker than most young guys around the league. That's why you see guys can insert into that offense. Why? Because they have not only Andy Reid, they have not only – uh, Patrick Mahomes, but they have Travis Kelsey, guys that are going to help them accelerate their their growth because they understand how important it is for them to get to where they need to be so that I can continue to thrive and we can continue to grow. Like, Sky Moore isn't Sky Moore without Travis Kelsey being in that in that offense, without mm-hmm. Pat, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't, it was the same way for, I, I I, it was the same way for me in Green Bay and how they run their 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 deal. Like they just bring everybody up to speed so quickly, it's like everybody wins. That's what you see, and that's why Travis Kelsey is so special. He's a he's not even a quarterback playing tight end. He's just a mind. He's a football mind. He's a I, I, I say this all the time with my with my kids when it comes to sport. You either are playing the sport or you become a player of the sport. Meaning my kids, my daughter, my oldest plays volleyball. Everybody can play volleyball. Anybody can play volleyball. You're either playing volleyball or you become a volleyball player. Mm. That is what I, that's how I separate guys. Travis Kelsey is not out there playing football. He's a football player that understands how to create opportunity when it's not there. Listen, I, I love that. Um, I also played volleyball, so I know anyone can play it. Um, and I've always thought it was really – I'd always love to see if they took, you know, the best basketball and football players and they were like, you guys can only play volleyball, what the volleyball teams would look like, how different they would be. Uh, like, what if Shaq would have just dedicated his career to volleyball coming up? Would have been my favorite thing. Love thinking about stuff like that. Um, why aren't there more reliable NFL teams then? Like, why is it only the Chiefs this year? I think there's just there's just parity, man. I think it's it's hard to win in this league. I know that's cliche. It's something that's said all the time. It's hard to get wins in this league. But from week to week, to be healthy, to be clicking on all cylinders, and to be mistake-free or the team that makes the least amount of mistakes every single week, it's just hard. Or be the team that can overcome it because of what you have on your roster and personnel. That's, it's just hard to do. Like when, when when we watch the Philadelphia Eagles, 
we see them and we know that they're a good team, but it's like aspects of their game and how it presents that if you take it away, are they as good? If they don't run the ball well, we all believe they're not as effective because it doesn't open up the throwing lanes and play action and all the other things that come off of what they do best. Teams like Kansas City, it doesn't matter because it's they're so off script at times. When you have them in, when you catch when they are in rhythm, it's almost like I, there's no way you can beat them when they're on time and in in rhythm, playing within the system. It's like it's unfair because they are an off-script team already so well. A lot of teams across the board can't do those things. They don't have the consistent players to do it every single week. Um, That's that's my only takeaway. It's like Hmm. you just got to be able to believe it and and pull it out of your guys every single week, whether your defense lows or your offense lows one side is going to pull you out and the one thing that we've noticed about the Kansas City Chiefs and I don't think we're giving their defense enough credit Mm. their defense has been really good this year yeah their defense has come Chris Jones in particular has been a game wrecker like they have come up big in the clutch you don't just see teams just take the ball down on them and just score like we've like we've seen in the past it happens but they also know, okay, we can bend a little bit, not completely break our offense. Is gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna put the nail in the coffin. That's just what they believe, and other teams don't have that wholeness of a team. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of parity in sports. I, I like having great teams that people want to tune in for. I'm also not a fan of the unpredictability of this year, though, as a sports better. Like that is just, I, I, I hate it. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. <laughs> like again, there the Vikings. The Vikings just showing up and, and having these tough, gritty wins and just finding a way and hanging around games and the Cowboys just smashing them 40-3 to three and me watching it going, this feels predictable that this would be the Vikings. It just it's, it sets me off and it, it frustrates me. But um, are we sure the Eagles are the NFC's best team? Like, are, are we still sure about that? Because it's starting to feel more and more to me anyways, like the NFC maybe just has some teams that can look really good at times, but for the most part, I just, even with the Eagles, I'm not sure I, I fully trust them. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's week to week. It's based off performance. We, we, we all, we all have a set of eyes. And if we, if we do have a set of eyes that actually work and we can utilize them, we see what we see. We see, we saw the Dallas Cowboys against the Minnesota Vikings. So automatically we start to usher them to the top. Oh man, the Cowboys. Did you see how they look? Could you imagine if they had OBJ on that? And it's like, now are they one of the best teams because they beat the Vikings and how they beat the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And I think in the NFC, it's one of those deals where we don't really know who's the best team because any one of those teams can beat each other. Yeah. We, like the Giants. Uh, when we look at the, you look at the Washington Commanders right now, in my opinion, the way they have it rolling, they can upset any team on any given week right now because of how they're playing right now. Does that make them the best team in the NFC? No, but the, the Eagles, they, they've kind of hit this plateau where it's like, okay, reality starting to settle in. Can they continue to just run through teams? Mm-hmm. The likelihood of that is a strong no. 
it's, it's just hard. They don't have a potent offense where it's just like they're going to score every single time they touch that ball. They have a great defense, but it's been exploited. Uh, when you look at the NFC North, the Vikings, we just saw what they did. You look at Tampa Bay. No one truly believes totally in Tampa Bay. We just know that they're, they can be scary because of what we know they have done. And the defense, if they play to their caliber and their, and their level of play, they can be very stingy. And Tom Brady can put you in position to win. So there's, there's that aspect on the NFC side of the things when we talk about that conference. AFC, it's, it's pretty clear. Kansas yeah. City is just head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Yeah. Um, I, I still feel like the, the dominance that the Bills can show at times and their ability to match that team anyways, that's, yep. the, that's the matchup of the year, those two. But you're right. You know what's wild about the Correct. NFC is that every, every week I watch the NFC, uh, I go, of course, any of these teams could upset any of these other teams, right? All the way down. Like, there's so many teams that I think are not, not going to end up even in the playoffs where I say, oh, yeah, they could probably win one game against these guys. Like, we're seeing this. And yet, I go... But none of these NFC teams are good enough because they're not consistent to roll this through the playoffs and get to a Super Bowl. But somebody's going to, you know, like somebody's going to end up doing it. And it's going to be shocking to me who it is. The, the crazy thing of, of all of them is that to me right now, it feels like the team where I went, you know what? Tom Brady should probably retire in season because this is getting so bad. Maybe he'll just call it quits. Now I actually do feel like the Bucks are the team I trust the most. And I got to remember that this is a long football season. The other one, though, is the Cowboys. And I know that they're kind of, you know, Jerry Jones been flirting around Odell. But if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be really excited about this weekend because you thumped the Vikings. But I'd also be really pissed if I saw any of the Browns game watching Amari Cooper play and how dynamic he was with Jacoby Brissett thinking, why? Sorry, we couldn't have found out a better way to clear cap space than dumping him on the Browns for kind of inexplicable reasons. They still feel like that one playmaker away, but... Yeah, the Cowboys really showed, I thought, a little bit of a different level of a ceiling. And Pollard now apparently leads the NFL in yards per touch. And apparently he did that a year ago, too. That that Cowboys team starting to feel a little bit trustworthy, too. Where are you at with them? I really like the Cowboys. I think they are the scariest team, in my opinion, in the NFC. Um, just because of everything that you just mentioned. Like, with Dak playing the way that he's playing. And, and more than that, with with their offensive line playing that the, the way that they're playing, both in pass pro and in run the run blocking game, like they have been really, really good. And obviously it's allowed Tony Pollard to be special. Uh, we're starting to see him be showcased a little bit more, not just in the running game, but even in the passing game. And so if, if they can, if he can continue to do this and go on this type of trajectory, I don't see a team in the NFC that can truly beat them mm. defensively. If they can get after the quarterback the way that now, obviously the the Vikings had some issues, you know, on their offensive line, but the way they got after Kirk yesterday, it was almost embarrassing. If you are an offensive lineman and then you, you were in that room in that unit, uh, they can, they can beat you on so many levels. Uh, the one area where I feel like they can be exposed is if you have a tight end and receivers, you have a tight end, you can expose their linebackers in coverage. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I still don't fully trust them, but I do think that the way that I'd be looking at the NFC right now is the Eagles are the most consistent, that they still deserve a little bit of the respect. The Cowboys are the highest ceiling and the Buccaneers are weirdly the team that, yeah, I just see stringing together playoff wins, but that a lot of that is the Tom Brady effect. Um, Greg, thanks as always for the time on a Monday, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Have a great one. See you, man. Uh, we got to teach him more about the great cup. We got to get Greg Jennings on some notes. Somebody send him the film. Somebody send him the last quarter of the Toronto game so he can really lock in and learn a little about the league. Yeah. Just, I, I think people know what I'm saying about the NFC right now is just, Hey, there are some good teams. There's clearly no great teams. We're not, I'm not calling the Eagles a great team and I'm not calling the Cowboys a great team either. And basically, honestly, I think out of all those contenders, Minnesota is the number one. I just do not see a Super Bowl path for them because their defense is soft, seven straight scores. And this has been the way for them. They got that great win. They got a great win against Buffalo and probably should have seen it coming a little bit that they were going to end up having a bit of a letdown the following week. But I don't trust the Vikings. I just don't trust Kirk Cousins in big spots. I love Jefferson, but no, I don't see them stringing together games. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Put that down in pen. That's right. And by the way, Vikings fans, you're welcome because that's now the best shot you have is me making that proclamation that you have no shot. Kind of think it's Cowboys, Eagles, Bucks are the three teams that I could see coming out of the NFC. Don't think that there's another team that's going to end up doing it. What you th- you looked at me weird when I gave my volleyball take? No, I know. Which annoyed no. me. I'm glad. No, I'm glad that you mentioned volleyball. Why? I'm a big volleyball fan. I like volleyball. And, and then you mentioned Shaq playing volleyball, and I was like, that'd be something I'd love to see as well. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's so many sports that are hilarious that only exist because we don't put the world's best athletes there. My cousin plays for Team Canada Volleyball. And guess what? Your cousin would not play for Team Canada Volleyball if, like, uh, what's the prep school? Orangeville Prep? Is that no? Orangeville? No, it's not not Orange. Anyway, whatever. If, if like, one prep school for basketball decided, like, you know what? We're going to be a prep school for volleyball now. Volleyball, your cousin's off the team. <laughs> Next week, he's done. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about no, that. No, it's going to be fast. Do you, you guys don't remember the Olympics a couple of years ago where they asked the handball coach, hey, uh, how long till LeBron would be the best player on earth at handball? And the, and the coach went, ah, about a month. <laughs> and I went, uh, about maybe like two practices is actually what it would truly be. Learn like. the rules and yeah, then maybe uh, he's yeah, number it's one. It's going to be pretty fast that LeBron is the best at this. Yeah, just it's always funny when you think about some of these sports and think of these games. Look at the show, Shaq Burst, that Shaq stole from Steve Nash. <laughs> it's like Shaq was pretty decent at those at the end of his career going up against pro athletes at the same sports. There's a reason that show exists and Shaq knows it and those other athletes know it, which is, yeah, had he from his childhood wanted to play any of those games? You've never heard this one from me before. This is an old JD take, but this is an old JD take. No, an old JD take is that I truly believe that if you took like the vast majority of guys who are in the NBA right now and from their childhood, you said, Hey, I want you to be a soccer goalie. They'd be the best, like, there'd be no... They'd probably be pretty good. I yeah. know, but the one part about it that I underappreciate, and people are right, is the ability to, like, kick the ball and set up, you know, yeah. uh, a team and make sure you drop it. So my take yeah. used to be that they could do it, you know, in a year, you know, like a guy could become... A year is pretty quick. Yeah, but that's pretty right. quick. They wouldn't be able to do that, but they yeah. would become in terms of, like, yeah, actually being able to defend the net. In terms of shot stopping, yeah, I, I, I agree. Shot stopping, those guys would be doing it amazingly, like, very, very yeah. quick. How quick do you think Serge Ibaka... In his prime, it takes him to be the best shot-blocking goaltender on the planet. 
It would be, yeah, shot blocking for sure. Because yeah. like, you need like a vertical and to jump. and Yeah, yeah. but I'm saying they reach as get well. a defender to come back, one defender to be like, you know what, you're the setup man. You're, you're the setup man? It. Yeah, you kick it. Just kick well, it Well, I mean, search. like, playing up from the back is pretty important in, like, today's yeah, yeah, soccer. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, soccer nerd Joe coming out. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's good. I actually wanted that. Actually. I go into, like, a full analysis. No, 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 that was perfect. That was actually great. Anyways, uh, it's time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus. Must be uh, Ontario resident. Please play responsibly. So, yeah, we've got this Monday nighter. Um, technically, it's uh, Niners at Cardinals, but it's in Mexico City. Yeah. Not like the Cardinals. Like, no one really thinks. I can't even name their stadium. The Cardinals stadium? I think it's actually Arizona State, like, or Arizona University. Yeah, University of Phoenix. That's it. Yeah. University of Phoenix Stadium. So, yeah, the daunting. What a daunting place to play. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's so hard to play in Arizona. It's just a deadly, deadly place. What sports fans they have there. Um, it's Niners minus eight on DraftKings. It's Colt McCoy, which I'll, t- I'll start off by saying this. I am more confident in Colt McCoy than I am in Kyler Murray. I'm not saying that he's better than him or more talented than him, but I just feel like he knows the offense He's a veteran, solid quarterback. He knows exactly what he's got to do in there. It cools down, I think, the temperature of the team a little bit right now. Colt McCoy, when I'm looking at this line, he's not really factoring into it that much, which is pretty deadly if I'm a Cardinals fan saying for an educated football fan that my quarterback doesn't really change the way that someone else feels about the line. I don't know. I I think it's divisional game. Eight points is a little too many, even though they're on the road. It just feels like eight I could see the Niners blowing them out. I could see their pass rush getting to Colt McCoy, but eight feels a little big. That's not my play tonight, though. Let's start with you, Boffo. You're back from vacation. All the all the fellas coming back from their vacations. Except Boffo's for... back. Did you watch any sports during your vacation? What did you do? Oh, yeah. Just, I just watched. You didn't reply to any of the group texts. <laughs> no, I know. You, went, you literally were like, I'm on vacation. I'm out of the group chat. You, I was almost expecting to see the... Mark Boffo has left the group chat. I was a little offended, but it's okay. Just, you know, just hit that little bell. Just, yeah, I know. It's really just, nice. It's nice seeing you. Mute, mute that chat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just a few corrections here. Mm-hmm. Um, the line has now exploded to 10. So it's, I guess, oh, yeah, it I did. guess Kyler being, uh, is going to be ruled out, I'm assuming. Um, but I'm right there with you, JD. I thought that when this was eight, I was already mm-hmm. leading towards the Cardinals for, mm-hmm. all, the, for all the exact uh, reasons you mentioned. I think... Mm-hmm. Colt McCoy is a pretty good professional backup quarterback. And I think there's some part of the Cardinals too, that they want to win without Kyler as talented as Kyler is. I mean, you see him gain into spats with Deandre Hopkins on the sidelines. I think there is a little bit of, you know, Kyler thinks he's a little bit better than he is. And, you know, so I just think that the Cardinals will still show up in this game. Uh, I just thought, yeah, I thought the eight was a lot, was a lot, and I probably would have sided with the 49ers, who was around seven, but I thought eight was a lot, and I think 10 is even better. So give me the Cardinals plus 10. Mm, I'm kind of on that too. I just like that one. Jobo, how do you feel? Yeah, uh, over a touchdown in a divisional game is always really spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will add, though, Colt McCoy came in in a similar point in the season last year for Arizona mm-hmm. against San Francisco, and McCoy mm-hmm. won. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not. He I, stepped Cole in McCoy and filled the role. Cole McCoy is fine. What's your best bet tonight? My best bet tonight. So I had two that I really liked, but my best mm. bet is Christian McCaffrey over 35 and a half receiving yards. Mm. Uh, five of the sacks, five of the last six weeks, he's just destroyed the number. 
gets around seven receptions a game. And Jimmy Garoppolo, that's one of his favorite targets. Same with Brandon Ayuk, who I also like his overprop. But if I'm going between one of those two guys, McCaffrey's mm. been their playmaker. I'm going with McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, my best bet hit again on Friday, Commanders. That was the one I liked. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm staying red hot on the show. Uh, I'm going to go with James Conner over 19 and a half receiving yards. He's gone over that number the last couple of starts. And I just anticipate that the Cardinals will be trailing in this game. And for mm-hmm. a guy like Colt McCoy, I think he's going to rely on the check down. He'll take what's there for him. Yeah. And I think the Niners will give that to them throughout certain points of this game. 19 and a half just felt a little low to me. So James Conner over 19 and a half. Austin, do you have a, do you have anything from this game? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Austin had himself a weekend. All right. That was time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus must be Ontario only please play responsibly. Um, see, I told you this, the best as I've already got in the tweets and the texts about the soccer goalie thing, Joe, they, you already got it. Oh yeah. It triggers the soccer fans, the Dumbo soccer fans. They get like really mad. Well, I mean, shot stopping is not like an unbelievable take. Like, like the, the distribution and stuff. Yeah. It's a whole different story, but like yeah. saying a person who's already extremely athletic with yeah. reach would be a decent shot stopper is not crazy to yeah, me. Of course not. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Let's come back and let's hit what we missed. At 590 the fan. Busy weekend. You disappeared. You and you and Mark both still <laughs> on vacation over the weekend. I sent you guys all a text like, hey guys, what's up? Like, how's the work coming? Nobody anything. One minor text from Austin. I was there. I was in there. I was sending you stuff on, on the weekend. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's listen. That the hashtag grind never stops does not apply to the three of you. Let's just say that. Meanwhile, Pete is literally like vacation in the sun. He better come back with good stories tomorrow. If Pete comes back here and goes like, I read a book, I'm going to be furious. (laughs) He's definitely fired. Did did you like his, uh, his little Maple Leafs pottery skull thing that he sent? No, I liked it. (laughs) No. He sends us one text from when he's down in Mexico with all of his friends, and it's just a keychain, a picture. I'm like, Pete, please go have fun. It, it, was, it was a little blue pottery Ugh. maple leaf's skull thing. I worry. I weep for the youth. I weep to just go down to Mexico and be like, hey, I'm worried about sending the show maple leaf. Pa-. Like, no, go have fun. Meet a girl. Have a vacation <laughs> girlfriend. Go drinking. Go be reckless. Ugh. Anyway, it makes me sick. All right. What did we miss from the weekend, buddy? Let's... Let's start with some World Cup stuff. Do we start with the World Cup stuff? All right. So Ecuador beat Qatar to open the World Cup yesterday. Yeah, the worst team ever. Yeah, I saw it for like two seconds. I told you I couldn't get into it yet. I'm just, I'm not watching Qatar play soccer. Like there's just no no way. Well, after yesterday, I don't know if Mm -hmm. I will either. And I'm a big soccer fan because that was Mm -hmm. horrible. Uh, Ecuador pressed the whole game. They dominated them. I don't think Qatar's ever played as a team before. Yeah, yeah, who cares? It was, yeah, it was bizarre. But the the World Cup fans, so there was an alcohol ban uh, that was put in place a couple of days before the tournament started after they had previously burst. said that we're going to allow alcohol in stadiums yeah. and in fan zones. That's what they called it. Sure. Designated fan zones, really just, you know, the central areas of the cities. And then a couple of days before the tournament, they said, just kidding. Ha ha. We're mm-hmm. not going to do that. Now they sell on like no alcohol Budweiser. And so, so some world cup fans are taking their beers and they're putting Coke and Sprite like covers mm-hmm. over it. Would you risk it? For some IPA at a World no, Cup game? Certainly not IPA. Um, <laughs> I do like one IPA, you know, hazy IPA. I have one or two. 
just get you so uh, I get obliterated though. My hangover off of an IPA is just a, I think that's the worst one you can have. Maybe it's like red wine, drinking whiskey late in the night, and hazy IPAs. Those are the three <laughs> like just yeah, gonna have me absolutely crippled the next day. Like, I don't drink not IPAs. be able to do anything. Um I don't drink IPAs. I wouldn't do it for any beer. That's an insane risk-reward situation for me. I want to have it. Listen, I don't think I've ever gone to a game in my adult life and not had at least one beverage. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to sit there, have a beer. It's a real luxury, but it's it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I would never do this. This no. is wild. I, my bigger question is where... Where are they getting them? Yeah. Because so what? These guys are bringing in their own fake Pepsis into the stadium and no one's... I'll tell you this. This is the ultimate dumb thing too is you do it for the clout and you post that out there. And here's the other part of it. You don't think that there's someone in Qatar <laughs> that has the time for you? Yeah, they're baiting themselves. Right. Yeah. Like you don't think somebody has the time for that. Anyway, just so dumb. If you get away with it... Why are you clout chasing? Just do it. Do it for the love of the game. Don't yeah. do it for the love of trying to get a couple of Instagram likes and go viral when no one will care who you are or what your name is. It's just, yeah, it's a passing, passing thing. So anyway, no, I would not do it. Um, I wouldn't be there, period. I get the appeal for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I, I, like Ecuador showed up like crazy, right? Yeah. Their fans showed do, up. Do you see their chance? Yeah, tiny We bit, want beer, yeah. we want beer. Yeah, but... <laughs> But yeah, I just I'm not I'm not doing it. If no, I'm going to you. Qatar, I'm on my best behavior the entire time. That oh. is me. I am a chicken. What's next? Hundred percent. Uh, so well, we're staying on the topic of World Cup. Wednesday, mm -hmm. Canada plays their first game against Belgium. Mm -hmm. Some big news out of Belgium: Romelu Lukaku, their mm -hmm. their striker, their Great guy, man. is out. He's the all-time leading goal scorer for yeah. Belgium. He's Kevin De Bruyne's favorite target. Uh, yeah. Kevin De Bruyne, they're obviously their, their midfielder. Lukaku's the guy that he always looks for. Yeah, he's out. Hamstring injury, pretty big for Canada. That takes some of the pressure off the back line. Mm -hmm. um, how confident are you going into Wednesday knowing that Belgium's best target man is well, not going to be there? It's not so much that it like fully changes my confidence. What I will say is that it's pretty clear what Canada's going for here is a draw. Yeah. It's a low block defend yeah. counterattack. It's the same thing as the USA game, the one that you were at. Yeah. Because Belgium's a possession-heavy exactly. team. Mm -hmm. So they're going to sit, they're going to wait, they're going to use their speed. What I feel great about is it just, it's clearly an advantage for Canada. I don't want to see other teams be hurt. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see guys get hurt. But if they're hurt already. He's been hurt the whole season. That's what I'm saying. He's only they're played hurt a couple already games. and they can't make it in time. I'm good with it. It did make me a little scared just because it is a hamstring and everyone's talking about Davies and he says he's fit. And I saw the interview, him and Duthie talking about. Um, his thigh or yeah. his quad and how he's feeling and he's fine. He says he's going to train well, that Canada wouldn't put him in there if it was 50-50, which was encouraging. All that stuff was great, but it was a stone-cold reminder of, yeah, how quickly you can lose a star and how, yeah, Canada probably can't afford to lose their guy as much as they can afford to lose Lukaku. Yeah. Um, either way, I feel a little bit more emboldened, I guess, but... Yeah, the, the goal here, I guess, is a draw. The only thing is, is that... Morocco is apparently a lot more plucky than a lot of us anticipated when they first got they into are. the group. Apparently, Croatia is a little older, but I'm still not, you know, taking See, any of that for granted. 
Uh, I, I can go saying, into like full soccer and nerd stuff. Yeah, right yeah. Now, but, but I'm just saying, <laughs> did you see the Belgian reporter that was, and I know that this is like, we, everybody hates on their own. Soccer is yes. the ultimate you hate on your own team. 100%. Media sport. England's go, the worst. England's I know, the but worst. they go, this team sucks. They're brutal. They're terrible. They can't do anything. <laughs> and they go but to the semifinals I, or something. I watched something. this Belgian reporter talk about them and he went, yeah, like I don't think that they're going to get out of the group. <laughs> yeah, but he broke it down in such an awesome way. And then I saw this, that he wasn't going to be playing. The only thing is, is that I, my understanding was that they were really never expecting this guy to play. So no, like, it's not like a huge update. It's we we were already had this priced into the betting line and to everything. Yeah. So it was nice to see in terms of feeling a little bit more confident. But yeah. given that we already knew that this was the case, it doesn't change too much for me. No, it doesn't. Like Lukaku, he's been dealing with the hamstring mm-hmm. for like six months now. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he transferred from Chelsea back to Inter, like he's only played four games for Inter's yeah. in the regular season. So yeah, I think everybody who followed soccer knew that Lukaku was going to be out. It was yeah. just obviously made official that he's going to miss their first two games. So yeah, it's, it's tough for Belgium. Outside of Lukaku, they don't really have any proven strikers, and it's good because Canada's backline's been a little spotty against bigger Mafo. teams. We have. Breaking ish news for what we missed. Some breaking ish news. Yeah. John Morosi on Twitter says source Blue Jays have reached out to Cody Bellinger's camp to express interest after he was non tendered. The right. Jays' interest was expected based on prior trade conversations with the Dodgers. Hmm. Hmm. I've already made my position on this very clear from the beginning of the day. <laughs> if they bring him in and he's a bench piece, I think that's worth it. If they bring him in and he's opening the season as they're starting, starting in the outfield, mm-hmm. not good. That I don't feel, again, I do not feel like getting Swanson and Cody Bellinger makes you a better team than having Teo. Than having Teo. And they are in a win-now cycle. This is not about the waves. This is not about the future. This is about the now. Yeah. I love Cody Bellinger, but you can't say he's more than just a project right now. I mean, mm-hmm. he's very much a question mark. If you want to buy low on him and, you know, give him an incentive-laden deal, I'm all for that. But you can't, I'm with you, you can't say that we're bringing him in and replacing Teoscar Hernandez's production. That that can't be just, the way you go about it. Just for people who are unaware, because again, I, I get it, because he's won an MVP before, and so people go, that wasn't that long ago, right? And you're like, no, 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 it was 2019. Uh, his last two seasons... His OPS plus has been 44 and 78. 100 is a league average player, okay? He's just been bad, really, really bad. So the idea that you would be targeting him in some way is weird because, yeah, his OPS, 542, 654 the last two years. Not up to snuff, not even close. Cannot do it as a primary thing. If he's new Rymel Tapia, great. Mm -hmm. If he's new Teoscar Hernandez, Bad. Not good. Very bad. All right, what's next? Yeah, uh, Cody Bundry is batting 190 in the last two years. Yeah, man, he stinks. Like, he stinks. That's the only... Here's the scouting report on Cody Bellinger at the dish. Bad. Next. Um, Tim McAuliffe is not a fan of the CFL's cowbells. Are are you a fan of the cowbells? What did he tweet? Uh, He tweeted out um, cowbells are essentially like a minor league thing, and it's not... (laughs) Give me the actual tweet. Okay, okay. Google it. Get the actual... Don't don't paraphrase a friend of the show, okay? Give me the actual, give me the actual the tweet. verbatim, mm-hmm. the verbatim tweet. Are you a fan of the cowbells, though? Yes, I like cowbells. I got really? no problem with cowbells. Cowbells are very like. I would say though, it does it does make it me think of the World Junior Tournament. 
kind of like, yeah, it's those vibes of semi-pro to kind of pro sports. I don't know. I got no problem with the cowbell. It's, I will tell you this though. This reeks to me of Tim sat next to someone with a cowbell at a recent sporting event and he had to deal with it the entire time. (laughs) And that now he's just triggered because it's, it's like when you hear a little bit of cowbell, especially like as they're snapping the ball in the CFL, I like that. It's like, you know, well, it's the, unique. Yeah, you the don't cowbell. Hear that yeah, that's really what I mean. Other... Like they snap the ball, that makes me think of the CFL. I like that. But I, I'm going to refrain from criticizing Tim because I, I think that he's dealing with trauma. I think that this mm. is a trauma take. I think that he, I think that he was around somebody who abused the the cowbell. And if you're not in the right state, you know, you're hungover. You go to a football game and you got to sit next to cowbell. That's a nightmare. So yeah, um, I, I get it. Yeah. So he said, "I'm sorry. I don't care if it's a kids' hockey tournament or the Grey Cup. Yeah, see, a that's cowbell what is He's like, oh, I don't care if it's a kids' hockey tournament. Uh, you just told yourself it was at a kids' hockey tournament. Someone did it, <laughs> and it pissed you off, and you were tired, and somebody got in the rink and did it, and you were pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. What's next? You know who else was mad? Yeah. Everybody not named Zach Wilson oh, after yeah, the this Jets is good. lost. We got time for this? Yeah. Let, yeah, what? we got a couple minutes. So Zach Wilson when asked about that embarrassing performance on Sunday, had a pretty stark response to asking if he let the defense down. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. no. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, we're going to need that as a drop for the show is when I'm like, hey, Joe, do you feel like you did enough work on the weekend? Like, and do you feel yes. like you let the team down? No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I kind of get it from his standpoint. He's going to get raked over the coals for this, but that's because, again, he's an unpopular guy in the NFL. He looks like a Disney prince. He hasn't been a good player in the NFL. I saw on Instagram, like, former players of the league lighting him up in some of the comments, which is never a good sign. Garrett Wilson, actually, his receiver, took Mm -hmm. a bunch of accountability, which made it look worse. My only thing is, is... As easy as it was for him to just simply stand up there and say, we got to be better, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's been talking about his job security and how he sucks and all this different stuff. And I I could see in a place like New York how he gets his back up for a second and makes that mistake. I'm not excusing it, really. I'm just, I can can kind of understand it at least a little bit. Either way, um, it's starting to feel like Zach Wilson's tenure was the New York Jets quarterback is going to be a short one. Um, Leave a review, five stars, iTunes. You can leave a comment. Spotify, you just leave the stars, share it, do all those things, and we'll catch you tomorrow.